This afternoon, I'm happy to connect you with ESPN NFL front office insider Louis Riddick and NFL matchup analyst Greg Cosell. Lewis and Greg will be available to evaluate NFL draft prospects and discuss how they expect these players to transition to the NFL. And in addition to this call, you can find more insights from Lewis and Greg in the upcoming NFL matchup draft specials. The first 30-minute show debuts this Wednesday, April 18th, at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN2. And before we get started with our Q&A session, just one favor to ask. Please skip all personal greetings and begin right away with your question. This will help us keep the call efficient. So thank you in advance. And we'll start off the call with a question from Nate Ulrich at the Akron Beacon Journal. And then after Nate, we'll go to Josh Katzenstein with the New Orleans Times-Picune. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, guys. Thanks for doing this. Um, With the Browns at number one, I was hoping you could break down um, the top quarterbacks in the draft and just kind of give your analysis of what you think the Browns would be uh, wisest to do there, number one, with those guys. You want to start, Lewis? Yeah, sure. Well, look, look, all these quarterbacks, obviously, I mean, everyone's going to be looking for something a little bit different. There is no one size fits every scheme here with any of these players. None of these guys are transcendent players. None of these guys will be able to succeed in spite of their surroundings. They're going to succeed because of their surroundings. So that being said, it's going to be important for the Browns to identify exactly what they want out of their quarterback, more so than which quarterback is the best one here, because we could sit here and argue until we're blue in the face about which one is the best one. All right? If you know anything about John Dorsey and how they kind of did things down in Kansas City, then they like measurables. They like ideals. They like people who look the part. So who does that lead you to automatically? It leads you to start thinking about Josh Allen, obviously, because he's big, he's physical, he's got big hands, he's played in bad weather, and he's got the biggest arm. He can drive it through the AFC North's bad weather in November and December. So, yeah, that makes sense. But he's the guy who, from an accuracy standpoint, Will make will look like a Hall of Fame one play, and then look like he's going to break your heart, and looks like he can't hit the broadside of a barn the next play. So you tell me what you're going to get out of Josh Allen. Now, has he improved during the uh, pre-draft run-up process? Yeah, he has. We'll see. Sam Darnold is someone who's been speculated to go there numerous different times. The guy who is the the gamer, the guy who's kind of a little bit of the. Uh, guy who plays Brett Favre like doesn't always make it look pretty, but he but he's the guy who people think in clutch. Is the guy you would want on the football field, someone who's working really hard on his mechanics and his consistency in the pocket as far as how he delivers the ball from a platform standpoint so he can be more consistent. So is he a finished product? No, not by any means at all. Now, the guy who it's, – it's funny, the last guy I'm going to talk about is my favorite guy, but the, but the next guy to me is, is, is very, very interesting to me because I'm not one of those people who's ready to bash him and say he's not going to be a good teammate, and that's Josh Rosen, who quite honestly – from a prototypical pro-style quarterback is the best one to me by far. He's smooth as silk in the pocket. He's smooth as silk pre-snap, in the pocket, post-snap. How he moves defenders with his eyes, how he moves defenders with pump fakes, how he can subtly buy time within the pocket. uh, No, I'm not comparing him to Tom Brady. I'm saying those are the kind of things he survives with. He's not the kind of guy who's going to get out on the perimeter and be a dual-run pass threat. But when you watch how he deals the football, he does it at a very high level 
which leads me to believe he has a very high football IQ, and he's someone who I do not, I do not right now disparage him for his outside interests and all the other things he has going on in his life at a young age. I want to know more about him because he plays the game like someone who really cares about the football game, about the game of football, not like many people are trying to say. People who have a lot of outside interests won't commit themselves to the game. Heck, his own coach has even said you need to make sure he keeps him dialed in. Take that with a grain of salt. You want to do your homework on Josh Rosen because he could play, I think, the quickest of all these guys. Baker Mayfield's my favorite because he's an 11-on-11 gamer. That's what he is. Volume is not going to be a problem for him from the mental standpoint. From everything I've been told, he'll be able to handle all that. The offense down in Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley is one where on first and second down, yeah, it leads to a lot of big throwing windows because they have a great play-action passing game. Well, so do a lot of football teams in the NFL. You ever seen Kansas City's play-action passing game? It's as good as there is. Baker will be able to tear people apart on first and second down because he's used to that by virtue of the offense he ran in Oklahoma. Third down, when you watch him in Oklahoma also, he's very good at scanning the entire field. You know he can buy time. He has a heck of an arm. It should never be an issue. And he's as accurate, accurate as heck. The only thing that people are going to be worried about, obviously, is the size. And I say no one's worried about Drew Brees' size. All that is is a convenient scapegoat to, to kind of knock a kid down. And they're going to worry about him a little bit off the field. He needs to answer those questions. So how would I necessarily rank them if I was picking them? I'd go Baker. I'd go Josh Rosen. I'd go Sam Darnold, Josh Allen. Then I would go, and then Lamar Jackson, who I'm going to have a whole spiel on him come draft night about how I think this guy will succeed and can succeed if he gets to the right place. I, I would just add regarding the Browns, because that's what the question ultimately was, what the Browns might do. I'd be curious as to what Todd Haley's role in all of this is. He might not be making the pick, but if you look at the offense that he ran in Pittsburgh, he had a big quarterback. He had a lot of what we call isolation individual routes. Now, if Antonio Brown is obviously a large part of that, but they will have a big-time receiver in Josh Gordon, assuming he's on the field. And that kind of offense, I think you're asking your quarterback to make a lot of difficult throws. And someone like Josh Allen, he did a lot of that in college with an offense like that where there were a lot of individual isolation routes. Now, I'm not necessarily a big believer in that style of offense and style of pass game, particularly for a young quarterback, but I think that's something that Josh Allen is used to. Um, I would agree with what Lewis said about Darnold. He's much more of a baller at this point than a nuanced technical quarterback. So the question is, where do you fall on that spectrum between being kind of a, a pocket technician with pocket efficiency, with Darnold needs a lot of work in that area, versus sort of a second reaction playmaker which if we were having this conversation 10 or 15 years ago, no one would even be discussing that. But now a lot of people discuss that, and a lot of people like that as a top two or three trait to be an NFL quarterback, and Darnold certainly gives you that trait more than he gives you pocket efficiency. Which is is an interesting point, Greg, that quarterback play has become one where that kind of movement and that kind of athleticism is valued because of one of the weaknesses in this draft this year, offensive line play. It has continued to go downhill. It has continued to be a thorn in every head coach and offensive coordinator, offensive line coach's side. So how do you combat it? It's a quarterback that can move. a quarterback that can get outside the pocket. 
Although that doesn't mean that the pocket guys are dying by any means. I mean, there. I really no. do think. I really do think Josh Rosen is going to have a hell of a career. Yeah. And then one final point about Mayfield, who I like a lot as well, uh, and I think his tape is really interesting because if you watch him on tape, he's not what the perception is. He's not a runaround quarterback. But the NFL passing games, too, have changed a lot. Each and every year, there's more quick game. There's more three-step. There's more quick five-step. And the other thing, too, uh, about um, the passing game is with all these backfield actions now, is it, there's so much misdirection and deception that the reads for quarterbacks are defined so much quicker. So I'm not saying that you want every quarterback to be six feet, but I'm not sure that height is as much of an issue as it was years ago when passing games were not quite like this. Next question will go to Josh Katzenstein, and then we'll go to Tom Krasovic with the San Diego Union Tribune. Just uh, looking at the Saints, uh, a lot of people, you know, think this might be a good time to find Drew Brees' successor. Um, obviously, defensive end is the biggest need, but at 27, it would seem that, you know, both of the top – the Top guys at both those positions will be gone. So, uh, what do you think? You know, is probably the best case scenario for the Saints. You know, at twenty-seven. Well, which you're probably clued into that, getting ready for the draft more than I am, because I'm. Th- I think in terms of evaluation. So you might yeah. want to go on that first. No, I, I think I think with them, there's no. Look, when you start getting down into that area, because of the numerous different ways which with the board can fall the Saints will be sitting in a situation where they seriously will be able to take BPA, I mean, best player available. And they could go a number of different ways with that. All right, there, there's – could they could they still, you know, at this point, could Drew be looking for another tight end? You know, he's always had a tight – could they be looking for someone to give him in the, on the inside, in between the numbers? He's always had a guy who, when they've been their best, he's always had a guy who could really – threaten that part of the field, and that's where somewhere, you know, a guy like Hayden Hurst from South Carolina or even Dallas Goddard, I mean, could those guys be available down there? They sure could, and I think that would be something that absolutely would make Sean Payton and that offense even more explosive. Defensive help is always something that they could use, especially on the interior or on the exterior. I mean, they, they just need more pass rushers. The secondary has found, I think, its groove with youth, a nice combination of youth, and now with uh, bringing in a veteran like Kurt Coleman. I mean, that is, that's something that's kind of rounding out the back end of that defense in a nice way. They have one of the best young defensive linemen in the league in Cam Jordan up front. They need another big guy, another guy who can really wreck the pocket from the inside. Cam Jordan's a nice piece to move around the outside, but I think offensively, if you're looking for a way to make this offense even better, I think I think tight end could be maybe an area with which they go. As far as quarterback is concerned, look, from what I've heard, they really like the youngster on their roster. I think his name's Taysom Hill. Is that his name? Yeah, I've, I've heard yeah, the kid from BYU. Yeah, I've heard that Sean Payton really, really likes him. I mean, I've heard that from numerous different people now. Now, obviously, because his name is not really on everyone's radar, he's not something someone that people would go, well, Taysom Hill, who's that? When when Sean Payton gets his eyes locked in on somebody, you should probably uh, you should probably believe him because he I think he kind of knows what he's talking about when he comes off into football. But they're they're sitting in a good position and there's going to be some very good value down there. And I'll tell you this, sitting right now in front offices, people don't know who's going to fall to them at that point. 
And it's all, it almost makes it more fun because it really is truly drafting because you're just kind of looking at what's available, and then you're looking at how do you prioritize it, and you're going, okay, that's an obvious pick for me right now. Boom, I take it. There's a lot, there's a lot less pressure at that point in the draft. You can really just kind of stick to your fundamentals of board building and then selecting players at that point. Well, and I don't know who will be available. We never know that. But two interesting players, they could well be gone if you're talking about D linemen, uh, is Taven Bryan from Florida and Deron Payne from Alabama. Now, ideally, neither one is a, is a wide-edge player, although I think Bryan, as he develops, could play both inside and outside. And he has some plays, some individual plays, where, quite honestly, he almost makes you think of a J.J. Watt. Uh, he's not quite there, obviously, on a down-to-down basis, but I'll be fascinated to see where someone like Tavon Bryan goes because I think he's he's a kid that the his best football will be ahead of him, assuming he's a good kid. I, I know he's the son of a Navy SEAL, so I imagine he's grown up with some discipline. Uh, but he to me, he's he's a real wild card in this draft because I think he could develop into a really, really good pro player. We'll go to Tom Krasovic, followed by Tom Rock with Newsday. The Chargers at 17, curious what your thoughts are there, uh, including Rashad Evans, and do you even think about quarterback? And also Rashad Penny's best fit in the NFL, San Diego State running back. Mm. Well, I, I like Rashad Evans. I think he's a really interesting player, and I think when you watch him on tape, he's fascinating because of how he's used. Clearly, if you're talking about him in a base defense, he's a stacked linebacker. Uh, and he's he's a will-type player because he can play sideline to sideline. He can play inside-out with speed and range. But the way uh, Nick Saban used him in Alabama was fascinating because he was a pass rusher at times, both from the inside and outside, and he was pretty good at it. So, again, you never know with a rookie, but ultimately you're dealing with a guy in Evans who's a three-down player. And I think if you can draft a three-down player at the linebacker position in today's NFL, then that guy's a really, really valuable player. Yeah, there's there's no question that speed is going to be something that they are looking for at the second level of their defense. I mean, they just don't have no any real playmakers at the second level. And when you're looking at the defensive line, with Bosa and Ingram, look, they've got some studs on the exterior, but they do need some guys who can push the pocket and really get up the field. I don't, I don't want to just say push the pocket, but get up the field and play with some speed there too because that is really the way that they want to play. They want to play the run. They want to play the run on the way to the quarterback, and they want to create mayhem. So I think defensive tackle, defensive tackles who have some upfield ability who can also play three downs. I know that's asking you a lot, but those are the guys. That's where you're talking about people like Deron Payne, who can do that, Taven Bryant, who can do that, who really has some of the – and, Greg, you were just talking about him – some of the best get-off you will see in this draft from defensive linemen. I mean, it is – he is in the backfield so quick. It's the last third of the down that he needs to improve and get a little bit better as far as finishing plays so he has more stats that get people excited. But, yeah, I, I, see, I see linebacker and defensive line being – those areas with which you really can improve your football team immediately. Are you always looking? Are you going to be needing to look for for river successor at some point? Yeah, you are. But I, I just I just don't know if that's if really if it's going to fall that way right now. And I don't think it's going to prevent the best value for them. And I think they ended up playing dime last year with six DBs because they didn't have linebackers. You know that ultimately Gus Bradley wanted to play with and. 
And, you know, mm-hmm. that's why someone like Evans could certainly fit the bill. We'll go to Tom Rock, followed by Eric Branch with the San Francisco Chronicle. I have a different question for each of you. Uh, for Lewis, uh, you know, a couple of twists of fate, and you may be in control of the number two pick uh, in this draft. Uh, I'm wondering if you were the GM of the Giants, what, what direction you would go in. And for Greg, uh, if you could talk a little bit about some of the small school offensive linemen that you see. I'm, I'm thinking mostly about Timon Paris and Greg Sanat from Stony Brook and Wagner. Yeah, with with the Giants, where would I go with that, man? I mean, it, that is such a loaded question. Isn't it? <laughs> it, it's 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 one of those where, look, and the more I think about it, the more I realize that you could you could be you should be considering the future as far as Eli is concerned, and will you have a chance to get a quarterback that you can now sit park behind him, have him learn and be your quarterback for the next hopefully 10 to 12 years, two or three contracts down the road. You may not ever be in this position again. You don't want to be in this position again. So I can understand where that is a strong argument and a, and a strong consideration for them. Personally, I don't think I, I, I wouldn't go there. I would. Now, I think Saquon Barkley is, is a special kid. I really do. And I think he – will help Eli because he will give him someone who can who can really turn around and hand the ball off between 25, 28 times a game. I think he, his versatility as far as being able to catch the ball out of the backfield, his willingness to pass protect, his willingness, his ability to help this offense overall as far as ball control, which will make the defense better, the protection passing game, which will make the passing game better. I think that he presents something that can help this football team in not just offensively, but defensively as well because of how, you know, the complimentary football thing comes into play. I believe, I, I think that that would be my pick. That would be my pick. And it would be hard because I'll tell you what, there's another guy who I think will project very, very well into the scheme that James Beckett will run there. And that's obviously Bradley Chubb, who can play in a two-point, play yeah. in a three-point. He's very multiple like that. So he's just like Chandler Jones, the same way that Betcher used Chandler Jones down in Arizona. A guy who can go from – look, they can play they can play a 3-4 or play a 4-3 and stand a guy up and make it look like a 3-4. And that's the kind of guy that Bradley Chubb is. He's a guy who's multiple like that. So really, when you think about it, he'd be perfect for a team like if – if Bill Belichick could ever get his hands on a guy like Bradley Chubb, look out. I mean, it would just be lights out. That's the kind of player that I think would fit well with the Giants as well. So I'd go D-end. My two players would be either Saquon or Chubb. I'd probably go Saquon. And I have a feeling that there's a strong, strong, strong sentiment within that building for Saquon Barkley based upon my experience there, if you know what I mean. Uh I'll speak about the O-linemen, and I, I can only speak about one because if you guys know me, I don't talk about guys I haven't seen. I've seen the uh, the kid from uh, Wagner, so I can talk about him. And one thing that always intrigues me about offensive linemen is when they have a basketball background. And Sonat has a basketball background. So what you see with him is you need a guy that you see a guy that needs to put on some weight. Uh, first of all, he's going to have to bulk up a little bit because he doesn't have that kind of body type normally that you think of to play on the outside. But he's he's certainly got movement skills. And so the question with guys like that is obviously they're later-round picks. And, uh, you know, one thing I've learned over the years, 
is a lot of offensive linemen end up playing in this league due to injuries, and then they get a chance. And we we see that with a lot of teams, even good teams. Uh, so someone like Sanat, to me, is a really intriguing prospect because of his basketball background, his movement skills. He's got really good length, but he's going to have to uh, sort of change his body a little bit. That can happen in an NFL weight room. We'll go to Eric Branch and then John Mashoda with the Dallas Morning News. Hi there. In light of the Reuben Foster situation, I just was wanted to get your thoughts on Roquan Smith and Tremaine Edmonds. If you guys view one of those guys as clearly better than the other, and also is there one guy that would be a better scheme fit in the Niners four three, or is that kind of largely irrelevant? Well, I don't know how Lewis feels. I, I love Roquan Smith. Um, I, I think that there's not a lot of mystery to his game. I think it doesn't need to be over evaluated. I think that he is an a, a really good stacked inside backer. He's got great speed, great range. He plays that way. He plays to his speed. I know he bulked up uh, just to go to the combine. He won't play at 236 pounds. Uh, he'll probably play more at 225, and you can do that now in this league, as we know, with someone like Deion Jones, even my guess Bobby Wagner is probably, uh, uh, I would guess, 230 pounds at most. Um, but I, I really like Roquan Smith on film. I, I can't imagine he'll be a different player in the NFL. I'm a little uh, – I'm not as certain about Tremaine Edwards. I know he's a great, great athlete. I think that's obvious. I think my, my daughters could see that. The question is, I, I didn't see a great player on tape. Uh, you know, normally if you're going to draft a stacked linebacker in the NFL high, and that's the way he, that's what he did in college. You know, his athletic ability would lead you to believe he could do other things, and I know he's young, so he's tantalizing for teams because maybe they see him down the road as being far more than he was at Virginia Tech. But normally if you draft a stacked linebacker really high, you have to think of the, the Patrick Willis's and the Luke Keekleys. I didn't see that kind of player on tape, so uh, that doesn't mean he can't become that, and I know he's he's only about 20 years old. Um but, I, you know, just watching tape, I think that he's a little bit of a projection, and I think he's a little bit of a potential guy, despite the fact that he's a great, great athlete. Yeah, Roquan Smith is the truth, man. And the kid's a player in every sense of the word. And he should be a pro bowler very quickly, very quickly. I mean, he is lightning off the spot, meaning his yeah. eyes are where they need to be. His team diagnosed is exceptional. Very rarely does he take bad pass to the football. He takes on people hat in hands, meaning when he's taking off the offensive linemen, and you see their head snap back. He can run. When he gets there, he gets there with bad intentions. He can cover. He can play the will or the mic in sub, which means he can play linebacker. He can play running back. He can match up against tight ends. He may have some size issues, but there's ways to get by get by doing that with technique and leverage there's nothing bad for me to say about Roquan he is easily a top 10 player and he should go in the top he should be the first linebacker off the board as far as stack players are concerned I'm very similar in Greg's opinion as far as Tremaine Edmonds is concerned great looking athlete doesn't play nearly as fast as Roquan because I don't think he's as confident as Roquan is as far as his ability to key and diagnose have his eyes where they need to be because if your eyes are not where they need to be as a linebacker, you can't get where you need to be. And you will see he plays slower 
because he's not sure. Now, once he is sure, he's like a gazelle. You see those long legs and long arms eating up ground in a hurry. And then he makes those run and hit plays that you, that you go, wow. I mean, look at this big son of a buck running like this, putting people on the ground. So, of, of course, scouts and coaches go, I'll make him smarter. I'll make him play faster mentally. I'll make him this. I'll make him that. I'll make him this. Well, you know, that's the arrogance of scouting and coaching sometimes, and you need that. But if I need a baller right now, a guy who can get it done, I'm going to Roquan Smith all day. And, you know, and I know, you know, right now, obviously, Reuben Foster has gotten himself into a, a situation that we're all looking to see how it plays out. But when Reuben came out last year, if I had to put him against Roquan Smith right now, I'm not so sure I wouldn't pick Roquan Smith. And Reuben, I consider to be one of the best top two, three players in the draft last year. So take that for what it's worth. Roquan Smith can play. He can play all day long. And that position is very, very important in the NFL now because, as Greg said, where do teams attack you? They attack you in, with 11 personnel, and they're trying to attack you in the middle of the field because that's what that's how the league wants it. They want more points. They want people going up and down the field. And the easiest way to do that is by attacking the middle of the field. So if you want to slow anybody down, you better have linebackers that can run. And he's one of them. We'll go to John Mishota, followed by Jeff Zrebeck with the Baltimore Sun. All right, for Lewis, uh, obviously wide receivers are dominating the talk down here in Dallas right now, but I was interested in your thoughts on the idea of the Cowboys possibly trading up from 19 to get Florida State safety Derwin James, which would probably have to be, you know, in the top 10. And it's obviously, I mean, do you think it's too expensive to do that type of a move for a safety? And then for Greg, I just wanted to know, uh, do you think Derwin James is worth that type of a gamble and, and just what your thoughts are on him overall as an NFL safety? Yeah, it'd be interesting. Look, in order to make, in order to make big jumps like that, there's no question that you have to have some conviction as far as the guy that you want and what you think he is going to do for you. And look, safety is becoming a premium, premium position in the NFL because it was just what I just spoke about, just like linebacker. Yeah because you need to be able to defend these hybrid offensive weapons that people are deploying in the middle of the field. And it's just that that's the real estate you have to protect. So, you know, another area, I mean, look, Dallas needs line linebackers too. So they need guys who can run and hit uh, and get them the third down as well, where they can then, you know, where they have to be able to cover there too. So I think linebacker, wide receiver, safety, I think all those, those three positions are all in play for them. So is D tackle. So I mean, I, Dallas is in an interesting spot because they have some interesting needs that would lead you to believe that maybe they'll, if they target someone who they really like, they'll have to go up there and get them, or they could sit where they are, and I think they'll get a real, real good football player. And uh, I'm not going to take Greg's question, but do I think Derwin James is worth moving up for? Oh yeah, I do. He's special. Yeah, you Thank know, Greg. to play off that, you know, I think that. If you look at what happened a year ago, Jamal Adams was the sixth pick in the draft coming out of LSU, and he clearly had a very, very good rookie year. And when you talk to people at LSU, they say he might have been the best kid ever to come through their program. But I think James is a more explosive athlete who can probably do more things defensively, and and I think Lewis hit on it in that, you know, nowadays, whether it's James, whether it's someone like Minka Fitzpatrick, you're looking for a safety who can play multiple roles in the context of your defense. 
and you're looking for a safety that can play both on the back end, who can play down in the box, who can play over the slot if need be, who can certainly cover tight ends man-to-man. I think Derwin James is that kind of player. Uh, you know, in some ways, uh, you know, I don't know if this is an exact comparison, just talking about uh, in terms of roles and responsibilities, it's that Eric Berry kind of player who can do multiple things in the context of your defense. And I think those players, as Lewis talked about, they've become so much more important. And I, I end up talking more to coaches than to front office people, but you talk to coaches nowadays and they'll tell you if you don't have good safeties or one of those kinds of safeties, it really limits your options defensively. And I think that, to me, becomes the critical point. When I watch tape, I'm thinking how a guy transitions and projects to the league. And when you get those multidimensional safeties like that, it really expands your defensive playbook. We'll go to Jeff's Reback, followed by Bob Condota with the Seattle Times. Oh, Lewis, obviously the Ravens have uh, signed uh, John Brown and Michael Crabtree this offseason. They've been in on probably a dozen other free agent uh, wide receivers or tight ends. They've made clear that that's what they want to address. But there's a perception that at 16 overall, they're sort of in no man's land when it comes to attacking either one of those positions or offensive tackle. Uh, do you agree w- with that being kind of a tough spot uh, to grab uh, one of those positions? Uh, and w- what do you see? How do you see that playing out? Yeah, you know what? I mean, you're okay. So you're basically right smack dead in the middle of the draft, right? So really, by that point, all the all the players who people have a lot of conviction on are willing to say this guy's going to be a pro bowler. This guy's awesome. Be- is the guy who, as Greg said. Well, you know, your daughters or your, your young kids could go, yeah, he looks like a pretty good player. He looks like he'll be all right. There's going to be some tremendous value for the Ravens in terms of players still available at the positions you just referenced, whether it be wide receiver, tight end, offensive tackle. Look, Calvin Ridley will probably, probably still be on the board at that point in time. Do they like that profile? Do they like the guy who can play all three primary wide, wide receiver positions? He's from Alabama. You think Ozzy hasn't gotten some good intel on what this kid really can be in the pros? Some people think he's going to be a guy you're going to have to be concerned with because of his body type. Will he really be able to bulk up? Does he need to bulk up? He's a heck of a heck of a player who really – look, I mean, he, he's been hamstrung by sometimes by the quarterback play at Alabama, and otherwise his numbers, if he went to it, if he went, played in an offense that had a top-flight throwing quarterback, his numbers could be through the roof like some of these other wide receivers. So – is that a possibility for them there at 16? Sure. Again, the tight ends come into play here. Is Hayden Hurst the guy that they're looking at, who I believe, and I'm going to keep saying it, this guy's the best tight end in this draft, even though he's 25 years old, and people say, well, he's a little bit older. You know, do you really want to go with a guy like that? Look, tight ends, there's been a lot of 30-plus-year-old tight ends that have played a long time in the NFL, I mean, who are, who are still playing at a high level, meaning once they reach the 30-year-old mark and they keep on going, I'm not concerned about that at all with a guy like that. I think that's a good player to pick around there. I think you could see him come off the board there, and I wouldn't have any problem with it. Um, offensive tackle. So this It's not a strong draft. We know that for offensive tackle play. There's no one who you're going to jump on the table and go, the tackle that I want, and I'm willing to move up for him or whatever. But could this be an area where guys like McGlinchey start to be considered and where they would go, and would you be happy with that? Yeah, you would. You have to pick someone. You know, it isn't just in the first round, it isn't just about 
taking a guy who you really has very little developmental needs and you just plug him in and you go, there's still an aspect called coaching, development, utilization, and all of these guys who I just referenced, whether it be Ridley, whether it be Hurst or McGlinchey, they all still need to develop. They all still need to get better, and they will provide some great value for a team like the Baltimore Ravens. Um, so I, I'm ex- I, I like that part of the draft, quite honestly. It may seem like no man's land because, you you know, the, the players there don't have the same flair as a guy like Derwin James, who obviously has a lot of flair, or all the quarterbacks, or Roquan. There's some good players there, and the Baltimore Ravens will get one. We'll go to Bob Condota, followed by Ryan Dunleavy with NewJersey.com. Yeah, Lewis, I was just wondering if you had a general take on what the Seahawks have done this offseason and what might make sense for them to do at 18 there. Yeah, you know, what's interesting about Seattle is I talked to Pete at the uh, at the Combine for quite a while, and look, they have they are really just totally resetting their entire football team. And, and it's interesting to see – It'll be interesting to see where they could go here. Look, the offensive line still needs to be built out and made stronger if they want to get back to being that, having the kind of run-pass balance that they had in their heyday when they were challenging for Super Bowl titles and winning Super Bowl titles. So offensive guard, I think, is still an area maybe where, you know, at 18 that they wind up considering somebody. Could a guy like Quentin Nelson will be gone? Could a guy like Will Hernandez be from UTEP be someone who they would consider taking there? Who knows? We'll see. Uh, is cornerback, you know, still going going to the defensive side of the ball, is getting some more corners and getting a guy who plays Seattle's style, could that be an area still that they look at? Could secondary overall, could they still be looking at safety? I mean, are, those, those are positions. I think guard, cornerback, safety, those are areas that I think that they could possibly look for. Pass rusher could be an area that they go for. Could this be an area where a guy like Marcus Davenport – from UT San Antonio, could that be an area where he goes? So I think they have a number of different options here. Again, again, you're in that you're in that spot here where you're just looking to see where things fall for them. And I think Seattle, Seattle needs again. They need to address that offensive line. The Legion of Boom is no longer, but that is still going to be a a major point of emphasis. Secondary play because Pete likes to play a very specific style and he likes very specific body types. And pass rush has always been something that they've wanted. They, you can never have enough pass rushers. So that's got to be an, an area that they look at too. And then I think the last, the last thing I would say is this. There is obviously some very good running back depth. Um, I don't know if they address it there, but I know that getting a runner in this draft would probably be something that they have their eye on for sure. And there's going to be some good players, whether they get them in the first round or, or, or later on in the draft. I think that's an area that you're going to that's that's a position that you're going to see a lot of talk about with the with the Seahawks because they need that guy. They need that bell cow if they want to be who Pete has told me they want to be in how and the team that we've seen them be in the past, which is a team that will just smash you with the running game and be opportunistic in the passing game. Cuz it's become the other way around with them now. They don't run the ball at all the same kind of ferocity that they used to and everything now is Russell, drop back, Russell, do something. Just make something happen. That's not who they want to be. Just to make one point off of that, I'd be real interested to see what they do offensive line-wise, Bob, because ultimately they have a high pedigree group. They they have a lot of 
high draft choices, first-rounders, second-rounders, third-rounders on their roster. They brought in Mike Solari to coach the offensive line. He's a highly, highly respected veteran NFL offensive line coach who normally gets the most out of players. So I'm not saying they're not going to see that as something they want to address, but contrary to what a lot of people might believe because it's out there that their O-line is bad, they've, they've drafted O-linemen. And I'm wondering if they might think with Solari there that, hey, we don't really need to address that early in the draft. Uh, and, and as Lewis said, I think listening to Pete and reading what he says and reading between the lines, I really sense what Lewis said. I think they want to go back to being a physical team on offense, knowing that Russell can make plays, but that they want to be physical. So, you know, I think running back becomes a really critical piece for them. We'll go to Ryan Dunleavy with NewJersey.com. The same kind of thing as before. Two totally different questions for the guys. Lewis, if you could, from a front office perspective, back to the Giants, where w- what would it take for you to trade down, and what's the lowest you would trade down to? Would you not leave five, six, or seven, so you end up with a Barkley, a Chubb, or a Quinn Nelson? Would you consider going down to 12 with the Bills? What, from a trade perspective, what do you see for the Giants? And then for Greg, player evaluation, Rutgers, Kamoko, to right. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, where where would I trade down to if I'm the Giants? That's interesting. Um, I think there, there's a couple players. Well, let's Let's just say I, I, it's interesting to see who would really want, who would really feel like they need to get all the way up to two. Is is really is Buffalo really in that market or not? Does, does Buffalo really want to get up there or or don't they? Does Miami want to get up there or don't they? I mean, you hear you hear and talk about those two teams in particular, and then along with Arizona wanting to get up there and get their hands on a quarterback potentially. But then you know, there's a couple of mocks when you run them through that maybe Buffalo and Miami don't have to move anywhere. Maybe the maybe the Giants, even if they want to move, won't really have the opportunity to get out of there. I, I personally, I would want to sit right where I'm sitting if I'm the Giants because I think I'm, I'm going to get a player that I think is going to be able to play two contracts worth with me and probably maybe, you know, be one of those guys who, as Dave Gettleman says, when you're picking at that spot, you need to be picking players who you think eventually can don yellow jackets and you're going to see them in Canton. And that, I know that's, you know, people are going to go, what? You can't talk about that with these young kids right now. Uh, well, yeah, actually you can if you want to. And if you really have belief that, you know, there's some high character football players who don't have any in- injury history who you think can be transcended to special players, and you take them. And I think the Giants are sitting in a spot where they can't lose if they stay where they are. They can't lose. They have, they're going to have the pick of either a very good quarterback or a hell of a hell of a running back or a pass rusher who I think is better than last year's number one overall pick. Bradley Chubb, to me, is better than Miles Garrett at the same point in time and will be able to do more for their football team than Miles Garrett would have done. I just think he's that high character of a player and that good of a, and that good of a technician. Or if I'm the Giants, if one of these teams want to move out of there and if Buffalo or Miami want to move out of there and send me down to 11, then you pretty much better set up my draft for the next two, three years with a plethora of picks 
because I'm, I wouldn't want to miss out on, I think, the, play, the players that are going to be available to them at that point. Talking about Teray from Rutgers, he, I'm fascinated by this kid. Uh, he's, he's a traits player. Um, you know, I think back, he's not the same build, but I think back a couple of years ago to when Ngakwe came out of Maryland, and I really liked him as a pass rusher, and a lot of people talked about him, well, he's not going to be a full-time player. And, and you know, I think Teray, he's a really long kid. He's explosive. You know, you're going to hear people say he's a little tight in his hips, and, and that's true of a lot of pass rushers. You know, we don't see so many benders as we used to, but I think this kid with his length, with his size, with his explosiveness, um, I could see this kid being drafted pretty high. He, to me, he could. he's going to be a day-two guy because I think he's a pass rusher at the next level, and I think pass rushers are always at a premium in this league, and I think his length is going to get people really excited. Okay, everyone, good news, bad news. Bad news, we are out of time. I do apologize. I know I couldn't get to everybody. Good news, more insights from Greg and Lewis will be on our two shows, NFL Matchup Draft Specials. The first one debuts Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. And then also we do have three more media conference calls this week. So I do hope if I couldn't get to you today, we'll get to you in these next three calls. Tomorrow, Kirk Herbstreet will be available at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. So thank you so much for your time and for your interest, and have a great rest of your day.